In the banking world today, two topics dominate much of the conversation, consumer expectations and new banking technology. But where do those two ends meet and how can banks undertake a fintech journey that gains traction with the banking public and embraces a new era of open banking? To find out, we'll be talking with Andres Wolberg-Stock of City Fintech. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, the Managing Editor of BAI. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We are in the midst of season three. And as always, you can tune into our podcast to iTunes podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And today on the program, we have Andres Wahlberg-Stock. As the global head of policy for City Fintech, Andres interfaces with regulators and policymakers around the world. He joined City from an international personal finance startup and has served with City Latin America, City U.S. consumer businesses, and now globally. Andres, great to have you on the program today. Thank you, Lou. Great to be here. Data. It's something that you have some really eye-opening opinions about and that may run counter to the stereotypes that once banks grab data, they can do all sorts of things with it that customers aren't aware of. I'm going to read this quote that you put out recently. The global fintech ecosystem holds huge promise for benefiting individuals and societies. Data is the blood that courses through its veins and all participants have a duty to help it flow safely. Help us understand where you're coming from in terms of that view, especially that phrase, data is the lifeblood. Well, when you look at the many splendorous things that the fintech ecosystem has been generating in the last couple of years, there are very few of those things that you would be able to point to and to say that runs on its own autonomously. It runs as a standalone, completely separate from the consumers, the users' financial life. I think as soon as you look a little more closely, you start to understand that there are almost no fintech offerings out there that make sense if you cannot relate whatever is going on in that app to a consumer's broader financial life. If it's personal financial management app, if it's a budget planning tool, of course, it needs your information. It needs to understand what's going on in your financial life. If it's a person-to-person -person payment tool, then it needs access to your accounts. It needs to know if there's enough money in your account for you to pay your friend for that lunch bill that you're splitting and stuff like that. So it is really not an exaggeration to say that if you look at the fintech ecosystem, meaning all the fintech apps, banks, startups, incumbents, newcomers, all the stakeholders, unless you can get data to flow safely and freely around that ecosystem and to sort of nurture and power all those interactions, you just don't have anything. Absolutely. Open banking, how do you see open banking working in terms of that data flow and the interactive system of fintech and startups and banks, all these different players? Look, we're at a crossroads for banks here, globally. If you're a bank, you probably face a choice now. You can either try to ignore what is going on in fintech 
think that you can do everything on your own. And then what you're going to try to do is to build a wall around your customers and keep your customers and their data locked in around you within reach, under your control, and then you think you will live happily ever after. Personally, I would say that's a recipe for getting happily extinct. <laughs> so the other approach you can take is to say, look, there's billions and billions of dollars flowing into fintech, nurturing this fintech ecosystem year after year. And it doesn't matter if this year it may be a little bit down from the $20 billion in 2016 and the $20 billion in 2015. It is still a lot of billions of dollars flowing into this ecosystem, funding some of the best, sharpest, most driven minds out there to reinvent slices of the financial services industry. Do you really think, as a bank, no matter how nimble, how big, how powerful, how global you are, that you are going to be able to outperform all of that ecosystem on every front, repeatedly, sustainably, and forever? Or do you take the approach that, hey, there's some really good stuff out there. They are good at some things that maybe are a little harder for us. We're really good and experienced at some stuff that is really painful and hard for them. We've got the brands. We've got the established customer base. This is really an opportunity for collaboration, even if you want to call it co-opetition, hybrid between competition and cooperation. But it's certainly not a zero-sum game where one side wins at the expense of the other. I think the point is, Opposite to the idea of the walled garden where you could try to keep your consumers just under your control is to take the opposite approach and say, look, the best way for us to empower our consumers to lead richer, more productive, more fulfilling financial lives, to do better in life with the support of a bank, of financial services as an industry, is to enable them to add value to their data wherever they choose and however they choose. So our duty in that case is to go in the opposite direction of that building a wall and to say, open banking is the answer. If we can become a hub for your financial life where we make it easy for you as a consumer to safely provide others access to your data and then just as safely and just as easily to switch them off the day you no longer want that particular app to have access to your data, that is ideal for you as a consumer. And that is how you are going to attract generation after generation of consumer to become your client, to know that this bank can be at the heart of their financial life. It's not by saying you can check in, but you can never check out. To that end, you've seen this from both sides. You came from an international personal finance startup, but you're also working within the banking industry, doing valuable work in fintech. What have you learned? I remember very clearly years ago, that startup from which I joined City. that was an original fintech, but not from this wave of fintech, from the original internet bubble in 2000, as I think many startups are finding now. And this, this is true of startups in any industry, not just in banking. 
it's really hard to be a startup and to, you know, once you hatch to cross the road to the beach and into the ocean where you can grow without getting run over on your way there. So in the banking industry and financial services in particular, it's really difficult to scale while being in compliance and in the US in particular, our regulatory system it's very complex, it's very fragmented, and it's very difficult for startups to grow whatever their offering is while at the same time growing the necessary regulatory and compliance muscle, which is something that banks have had to do in any case to be where they are today. And I think that's one area where we're starting to see that it's not so easy. There are a couple of examples already of fintech startups that have been incredibly smart and successful, but once they reach a certain level, they would now be coming under heavy regulation. And at that point, they have to decide whether it's a good use of whatever capital they have left to start swinging that into compliance structures or whether they need to partner with an established bank that already has all that muscle and use that as the vehicle for further growth. And this is just one type of scenario. But overall, I think it is true that it's not so easy to grow a fintech startup, perhaps compared to the growth curve that you can aspire to in different, less regulated industries. And you make a fantastic point there that regulatory and compliance are two things that banks have going for them. They know this turf. Now, on the flip side, we have a situation where with some banks, clearly the fintech initiative becomes innovation theater and nothing really substantial gets generated from it. Help us understand what City is doing and what you're doing in your role to make sure that there's real innovation and change taking place. That's spot on. Getting the balance right, being at the right altitude to go into orbit, not drift off into outer space, but also not crash back to Earth organizationally is the balance that you're looking for. You're looking for just that right spot that makes you able to innovate at speed and safely, but in a way that keeps you connected to the organization and that allows you to feed those learnings back into the organization and help transform and grow all of the organization and not just become this sort of little detached unit. But the reality is consumer expectations are now evolving much faster than most banks can keep up with. Consumers are no longer comparing bank A to bank B to bank C. They're comparing bank A to Uber and to Netflix and to every other mobile-first experience that is making their lives more enjoyable and more fruitful. And to keep up with that curve, that rise in consumer expectations, you can no longer have these isolated special project wins where you have to carve a path for that project and then, you know, other stuff has to stop or pause in order to make way for the high-profile project. You need to be able to do those wins, to get those wins repeatedly, sustainably, time after time. And that requires a different structure. And this is why we created in late 2015 this new unit, City Fintech, 
which is part of City Consumer Banking. And it reports to the CEO of Consumer Banking. And what we've tried to do is to strike that right balance, get into the right orbit where we're close enough to be able to add real value to the organization overall with new processes, new ways of looking at things, and this obsessive focus on customer needs. And when you talk about customer needs, that still tends to be a riddle for banks in this technological era. Help us understand how you're taking the technology and applying it back to those customer needs and the consumer expectations that you spoke of. If you put the technology first, you're not going to get anywhere useful. The way we are approaching things is by focusing on the consumer and the consumer's needs. And in the case of the first iteration of the City Mobile app in the US that City Fintech delivered last year, we did that by doing 2,500 different customer interviews, focus groups, contacts, feedback sessions as we went along. And so Literally, at every step along the way, consumers were giving us feedback and saying, I don't understand this, this interface is confusing to me, or I love this, can we do this here as well? And so co-creating with consumers makes an enormous difference. And in very practical terms, we've seen the difference in the App Store ratings for our app, which have shot up like you wouldn't believe as a result of just listening to the customer's voice and actively seeking it out. Andres, thank you so much for your time today. Learned a lot about where the banking world is headed in terms of technology and innovation. Thank you, Lou. Andres Wolberg-Stock is the global head of policy for City Fintech. Be sure to look for Andres on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one. The future of banking is open banking. No fintech offerings make sense unless they apply to a consumer's broader financial life. And to that end, apps, banks, startups, and all key financial players must work in concert to create an open system that empowers consumers with their own data. Arguably, billions of dollars are at stake. Number two, to avoid siloing your fintech initiatives, get the balance right. Innovate at speed safely to feed learning back into the organization without losing sight of practical insights that you need to conduct business. Otherwise, you may drift into abstract innovation theater. And number three, in serving customer needs, co-creating with consumers makes all the difference. As you take on new technology wrinkles that interface with the public, an app for example, Do customer interviews, get customer feedback, and remember, technology is not an end unto itself. Consumer expectations dictate that you take note that banking interfaces with other aspects of their lives, whether it's ordering TV via streaming, hailing through a ride-sharing service, or other mobile-first experiences. Andres Wahlberg's stock has that unique viewpoint that only a select number of his peers share. 
He's been both a fintech disruptor and now a banking industry tech innovator who respects the views from both sides of the fence. Now here's what it looks like when those walls break down. Marketplace and traditional lenders, for example, can partner at various points in the lending cycle. A marketplace lender might, for example, originate loans for a bank or make a technology partnership with a bank for underwriting, since the alternative lenders generally claim their underwriting is faster and has less friction. Banks, meanwhile, can apply their superior scrutiny skills to those loans to make sure they pass muster. Now, strategic partnerships are a fast-growing segment. J.P. Morgan Chase has partnered with marketplace lender OnDeck, and Chase and Intuit drive more than 80% of referrals for OnDeck, according to a recent Ernst & Young report. So if you're trying to make an effort like that on your own, the question you might have is how? Well, you can learn how in an outstanding new article, Peering into Peer-to-Peer. -peer. It's in the brand new July 2017 BAI Executive Report, FinTech from Disruptor to Partner, that you can download for free at BAI.org. And speaking of BAI.org, that's where our podcast archive lives. And as you check out our archive, be sure to connect with BAI on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to stay up to date on BAI's latest and greatest. And finally, registration is now open for BAI Beacon that takes place October 4th and 5th in Atlanta. To learn more about the fast-paced financial services conference, visit BAI.org. And that wraps it up for another podcast. I'm Lou Carloza, the managing editor of BAI. We'll see you soon. So long. <laughs>